This is Friday, May 27th. Over the last few years, I've been invited to fly in a private airplane with a friend. He's a talented pilot, and he's been flying all of his life. Actually, he received his pilot's license before getting his driver's license. Now, I've wanted for many years to get my private pilot's license, but either I have not had the time or the money to pursue it. Now, one thing my friend has taught me about landing the airplane is that taking off is pretty easy to accomplish, but the landing, well, <laughs> that's the challenge. What is the difference between a good landing and a great landing? Well, a good landing is when no one is hurt and everyone can walk safely away from the plane. But a great landing is when you can use the plane again. <laughs> now, at the end of this week, we have been discussing and dissecting Paul's sermon that he gave to the intellectuals of Athens from that little hill outcropping at the Parthenon called Mars Hill. Paul was invited to share his new ideas about God and the world, and he told them about the one true and living God. We might say that he had a good takeoff. He talked about their poets and their culture, but now he needs to tell them about the God of the Bible and the Messiah Jesus. Here is how he attempts to land the plane and finish the sermon. This is Acts 17.29-31. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he has commanded all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now notice the transition that Paul makes. First he talks to them about the nature of the one true and living God. Then he moves to challenge the way they think about God. How can they think that God made them the God whose offspring they are, could be a stone shaped by the hands of men. Paul says, let's think about this. It just doesn't make sense. You see, he wants them to reason this through. If they do, he thinks they will come to see it as he does. Now, likely the Athenian intellectuals bristle about being called ignorant. But Paul risks speaking this truth to get their attention. But he doesn't stop there. He says that really his message is a call to repentance, to turn away from the gods they have been worshiping and to trust the Lord, the one true and living God. Now it is time to take what he has said and respond to the truth of it. He, so he calls them to God. Now notice this is always the difficult step in preaching. It's one thing to hear a message, but another thing altogether to receive it for yourself and to respond to that message. You see, the, the Athenians, well, they were used to endless debates about ideas, but this is different. God is not an idea you debate. He is the Lord and he must be reckoned with, either accepted or rejected. So Paul dares to tell them about the coming judgment to show them that they too will stand before God to give an account for themselves. Now there are two other major features that we must not miss here. 
First, Paul tells them about Jesus. We expect him to explain the way of redemption to them, and we know Paul has already told them and many others about Jesus in the marketplace. But here's the surprise in this sermon. Jesus' name is not mentioned. That's right. Instead, Paul calls Jesus the man God appointed to judge the world in righteousness. Why does he not tell them Jesus' name? Now, we don't know for sure, but it's likely because, well, his name will not mean anything to them. They are not Jewish. His name will only sound strange, and he wants them to understand what he is saying. They only need to know that God appointed a man to bring justice. And second, Paul speaks of the resurrection of the dead. Indeed, in every sermon from the apostles that we have, the message of the resurrection of Jesus is included. And again, we would ask why. People were surrounded by death at that time, and the resurrection of Jesus opened a door to hope for everyone. The core of the gospel is hope, a new hope founded in Jesus and the promises of life that he makes to us. You see, for those in Athens, this would stoke their curiosity about Jesus and about the gospel message. They had never heard anything like this before. Okay, so now we come to the end of Paul's message. Did he stick the landing? Did he finish well? Here is what we are, have been to, what we are told. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed. Among them were Dionysius, an Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. That's Acts 17.32-34. I think even Paul must have wondered how he had done. There was a mixed response to the gospel. Because his ideas were so new and strange, some of the listeners actually made fun of him. Only a few are said to have responded to his message with faith in Jesus. One of those listened. Uh, one of those that responded was from among the intellectual class. This seems like an amazing response. What is more, some wanted to hear again from Paul. Now here's what strikes me. Paul didn't know how he would be received but he was not afraid to share with them the truth. And I think this is where we are. We're not responsible for the response, but we are called to extend the message of grace to others. So let's pray for opportunities to do just that. Lord God, we ask that you send your Holy Spirit to precede us as we speak with others about you. Open hearts and eyes and give us courage to bear your light to a world filled with shadows. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.